UX Podcast Episode 127. for joining us. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pad Axboom. And we're balancing business technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. Yay! It's a link show. It's link show time. It's been a while. It has uh, been a little while. And um, our link shows, for those of you that don't know, um, can are shows when we take three articles that we found on our digital travels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I normally laugh when I kind of say digital travels. Cause what the hell does that mean? But anyway, we found three articles that we've liked over the recent weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to discuss them for a few minutes each. Mm-hmm. And in today's... So today's three articles are... Users always choose the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. An article, a blog post by um, Paul Boag. And the second article is uh, Transitions and Animations and All That Jazz by someone called James Royal Lawson. Oh, God. <laughs> and the, the third one is um, The Facebook Breakup, which is um, a New York um, Times article by Penelope Green. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this should be interesting. <laughs> Let's go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Paul Boag in this um, in this article um, of his users always choose the path of least resistance. Um, Paul says, "Well, Izzy, um, we're always looking for ways to do things faster and with less effort." Um, it's a quote from here. Um, People don't care about your app or website; they only care about the result it delivers. Paul says that we're r- um, we're ruthlessly focused on our goals and um, don't care about anything else, such as your gorgeous branding or mm. engaging video. Um, and he gives some examples in the article um, um, of apps um, that make processes more complicated, one of which mm. is a BMW um, car key app or Apple Pay. He says right. these things. He says, to unlike my, unlike my car with an app involves a lot more steps than using a key. Mm. So, so the app Which, is of course, is true. Effectively useless. Mm. Um, and then he, um, um, ease of use is a competitive advantage. Um, and he brings up Uber as an example of something that um, doesn't have amazing branding or spend millions on um, advertising, um, but becomes uh, so simple and useful as a service. Mm. You know, you, you're in and out. You do everything you need really quickly. Um, so instead of trying to maximize your engagement with users, minimize it. Focus on minimizing your impact on the user's day. Start thinking of yourself as a utility rather than a destination. Mm-hmm. So now, it's I, pretty I chose much summarized in his title, users... Always choose the path of least resistance. Yeah. Now, mm. what, what made me want to? Because I, I mm. picked out this article for us to talk about, and what made me, what attracted me to talking about this was the fact it reminded me um, of the article, or the, the medium post or blog post that you wrote, I think, back in October. Yeah. Um, which is, is kind of related um, to but this. opposite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your your article was called um, the the invisible problem with fairy tale expectations experiences. Yeah. No, sorry, that's that's forty-three-year-old James, <laughs> not having reading glasses on and <laughs> can't read his own notes. Yeah. Um, and that in in that post, you actually argue, yeah, the opposite, and that simplicity is dangerous. It is. It can be dangerous. It, we're, I'm arguing that if we make it too simple, we're actually putting people's brains on autopilot. Uh, 
which essentially means that people are not thinking about the choices that they are making. And that brings up an ethical question is how easy do we make it? And one of the examples I have there is like Amazon. Is the Amazon, yeah. Yeah. One click buy. One click buy. Mm. Uh, and if you <laughs> I used that and I turned it off when I realized I was yeah. buying too many books. It no, was too I, easy. I I don't have it on. Yeah. And that fits in with I mean that fits in with what Paul's advocating here is that you should make things simple so you can dip in and out. It's that that is the perfect answer according to what Paul's written in the article. Yes. Whereas uh, what you experienced and what I experienced with it too is that it became far too easy to buy. It became a poor experience mm. due to its simplicity. And that simplicity was, is, I think, wrong. I mean, it's good for, for um, Amazon's profits. In the short term. In the short term. Yeah. But is it good for their profits in the long term? But they're, still pers- they're still persevering with it. So in, in that case, I mean, it could be either way. Mm. But there's so much more to this than just making things simple, which I think is actually uh, dumbing down what UX is in, 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 a, in a way. I think mm. it's oversimplifying, yeah. <laughs> to uh, use a pun. <laughs> he is oversimplifying uh, the what we are doing as UXers. Mm. We're, sure, we are removing obstacles, and he does have some truths to the beginning of the article mm. that yes people don't essentially they don't always want to spend time on your website and want to get results of mm. course they do uh, but humans are not rational mm. we've learned that um, uh, in the psychology that we've been reading over the past 30 years is there have been so many learnings uh, uh, about habits and how they are formed but also about how people make decisions mm. and people don't make decisions in a rational manner they make them emotionally yeah. and emotions are affected by how things are designed and wordings and stuff like that. Mm. And I think uh, if you if you look at his article, he's arguing that people don't like to switch banks because it's difficult to switch banks. Mm. But then he's arguing that if you make something simple enough, then you will be better than your competitors and people will choose you. But, but having like a, provi- providing everything else is equal. Yeah. So exactly. Um, so mm. in that sense, the 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 bank with the easiest experience in the way Paul is is arguing, then everybody would choose that bank. But yeah. that's not the case, is it? Because there are so many other factors yeah. behind choosing a bank. Yeah, and it's, I think that's that's the essence of this. Mm. Uh, that there's a lot of there's a lot of good points Paul actually makes yes. in the article, mm. um, but I think they're kind mm. of wrapped up wrong. And I, and I think his his um, summary there with mm. about um, minimizing mm. engagement, mm. minimizing impact on the user's day, mm. um, that that can't be a blanket goal. Mm. I think it's a false goal. Um, and and I think we're, we're back to the, the, the essence of what we do and that mm. understanding, and Paul even mentions this, mm. understanding users' behavior and what's going on and, right. and their motivations and, and what they're trying to achieve and focusing what they're trying to achieve, which Paul mentions in this. Mm. But simplicity isn't always um, the answer there. I think, mm. I think by prescribing to us that we should focus on minimizing engagement, then we're actually losing track of the real goal. So, so Paul, and, Paul in his article is, is distracting us. Mm. I think so as well. Good points, uh, uh, but so the, I mean the core. I get I get what he means. Yeah, removing obstacles. That's what we're about. But we also have to think about where are the obstacles okay? Where do we need obstacles as mm. well? Because there's this whole industry around gamification, for example. Mm. It's all about adding obstacles because people like to have a challenge. Yeah. People enjoy it. They like to f- figure out how something works because then they can. Show other people how it works, yeah. and that's another way to get Gives people to use your product. Hit. And we yes. talked about in previous yeah. episodes. Like you get that bang mm. when you you feel that success mm. of achieving something. Mm. But, but he, I mean, he, he, what he's saying here actually goes against what everything that gamification stands for. Mm. 
I think. Uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. When you true, when you uh, proper gamification, as we've yeah. uh, uh, learned during the the years of the show, mm. um, yeah, you need that challenge, mm. or it's not proper gamification. Mm. Um, I also reflected on the fact that um, Paul very much, even though he tries to drag in you know, universities and mm. charities towards the end of the article mm. to to say they fit, and also to his his, his way of mm. simplifying will mm. win. Um, I couldn't help thinking mm. about say enterprise products, for example, or situations where maybe someone's using your 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 tool um, as part of their work mm. eight hours a day. Can you apply? Can you apply mm. what he's saying you know, mm. as a blanket goal mm. to those situations? Right. Um, you know, um, going back to healthcare again, mm. uh, there are definitely situations where if I've made something simple to minimise the 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 um, effect, or presumably minimise the impact on the user's day. Possibly, I could mm. be killing someone, or could be making yeah. a very, very large impact on the rest of their day because I've screwed it up by by designing the interface. I well. actually have a real world example there. Uh, working with healthcare, we made an interface easier, which made the amount of questions coming into the psychology department, if you will, uh, too many. They couldn't handle it, mm. so there was not enough thought going into how they were going to actually process those questions. Because you have to realize there's not just an interface, there's something mm. going on behind well, the scenes well, as well. Well, also how they could mm. scale mm. in parallel to... Because everything mm. works together. Mm. That's the exactly. key thing there. Yeah. That it's not... And yes, you designed maybe the right mm. interface, um, but the problem there mm. was that you, you didn't plan for the results mm. and that they could scale up their yeah. their... their people that they've got dealing with the questions right. to make sure they can still answer them all. Because you don't want less mm. questions, yeah. not really. Exactly. You want to you have ans- more yeah. answers. Yeah. Really get an energized here. It feels like we're slashing his article. But I mean, I love Paul. But, I mean, he's done written some done some really good stuff over the years, and he's done lots of good stuff with usability and accessibility mm-hmm. as well. But, but in this article, I think he misses some essential points. And uh, like I said, I, I don't like that uh, it's simplifying the work that we're doing. It's mm-hmm. not about making things simpler. It's about understanding the whole process around it. Yeah, I think he, like I said, I mm-hmm. think he's giving us a false goal, mm-hmm. um, even though there's there's good individual elements of a vice baked into his article. Mm. So I actually, uh, for this link show, chose your article, James, that you wrote recently. Yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a whole new territory for us <laughs> on the show because we've, we've written quite a few articles over the years. Yeah. And so far, we've never got to the point of choosing one of our own. Although you mentioned mine just now. Oh, you're right, yeah. we've mentioned a few. Yeah. And I, I've, had, I've come close to choosing one of yours mm. previously. Um, so this is this is a little bit new, and I'm feeling slightly uneasy about it, to be honest. <laughs> so so it's all about transitions and animations, and you hit me up on Telegram with a chat message uh, asking me to read it, and um, I didn't know what to expect. What are you what are you doing with animations? And I was thinking video and stuff like that. Because I was I was actually mm. a little bit because uh, mm. like this one this this article I threw it out after you know on spare of the moment. Yeah, and and I was a bit unsure because you had I'd... a real problem. And yeah, it, it really shows you had a real problem. You were thinking about it. Uh, and it had to do with, um, well, conveying a message so that people would understand it, but ha- using transitions to to uh, accomplish that. And uh, you have an example in the start of the article uh, to illustrate this, uh, an example of morphing a, a submit form where people submit just their email there's a, address. Yeah, there's a contact form um, mm. um, by Sarah Drasner yeah. um, from her article, Importance of Context Shifting Context Shifting in UX Patterns, yeah. I'd found. So, uh, it's, of course, it's going to be difficult to convey in a podcast, but like you're writing here, there's so much interesting detail, detail going on. And you, Of course, there'll be a link. You can go ahead and play with it. But an example of something that's happening is that uh, 
the word email from the email button moves across to become the title of the input field when the email button is clicked. And then when the submit button is pressed, the email field and the submit button transform into two circles uh, and the title of the form fades away. And the two circles uh, form a spinner, like a loading spinner animation GIF uh, to indicate that you're waiting. And there's lots of other stuff going on as well. It, it all mm. It's all seamless mm. and it's beautiful. Mm. And I, I think I commented to you as well. I was reading your description of it and I thought beautiful. And then you end your description of it with the word beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and I realized, oh my God, why don't we do this more? And I think that's what you sort of realized as well. Why don't, and then you, then you start thinking about it. Okay, so how do I motivate this? How do I actually get people on board to build something like this? Because with animations, it's going to take some time to even do the prototype. Uh, how, how do you know that the cost of doing that extra work is going to pay off in the end? Mm. Um, and then you move ahead and give some really good uh, uh, recommendations for stuff to read and um, uh, what people to involve. Uh, it was, yeah, I mean, I, it was a real challenge. I mean, it was this week I had to, I was faced with the question of um, designing something that could um, visualize um, that something the user has actioned, triggered, uh, was, was ongoing. So this isn't, this is a subtle difference between a waiting spinner mm. And you know, as in something is lo- sorry, loading spinner and, yeah. a, and a waiting spinner. And I think there is a little bit difference there that you know, when we're showing that we're waiting for something to load, compared to showing that something is ongoing. Right. Because in this situation mm. that I was designing for, it mm. wasn't something. It wasn't. It wasn't a loading thing. Mm. This was something that was going to keep on going until it succeeded. Right. Um, I can't mm. go into details yeah, more okay, than yeah. that. But um, yeah. oh, so I needed yeah. some way of, of doing that, and that's why I was doing mm. the research. Mm. Um, but you're right. The 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 feeling you get from looking at this was such a god this is so nice this is this mm. this level of of attention to detail mm. has really understood the journey the user is going just in this micro interaction that we're we're taking them from a to b to c to d and we're holding the hand a- along the way mm. instead of brutally um i think the, the if we think about how we are as, as humans this is very organic way of of designing mm. it's very natural compared to the normal way where, mm. you know, bang, something appears, shumph, it's gone again. Bang, right. it appears again. Submit, but yeah. Yeah, and if you if you look mm. at how everything's working mm. with, like, material design mm. and other kind of things now about being more organic, mm. the way we design often, I think, is is very similar to, oh, look, there's a lion, suddenly materializing out of nowhere. Oh, <laughs> lion's gone. Oh, there's another lion just materializing out <laughs> of nowhere, which our brains, our brains are programmed to be scared shitless. Yeah. If a lion materializes in front of you, mm. You're going to be scared. You're programmed mm. to be scared mm. and to, to be defensive and mm. defend yourself or attack it or whatever. Whereas mm. if you have, again, if we see a lion mm. running towards us from a distance, mm. we can prepare. We mm. can actually back away. We can maybe go and hide or do something mm. or get the shotgun out or whatever. I mean, mm. whatever the more natural kind of way of it. You deal with it. I actually That's do natural. this with time booking in the form for booking times for, for uh, your doctor's appointment that I'm working on or have worked on. I add loaders uh, mm. in between uh, the spacing. It's just one page or form that's loading. Uh, but even if it would could load fast and appear as a line, like you say, mm. I choose to make it load for a while mm. so that you can relax, get yeah. your breathing room there, mm. and then, then show it uh, not fading. I would like to fade, but I haven't done that. Yeah. Uh, and make sure that people feel comfortable mm. and feel trust and don't feel stress. Yeah. I think there is. Mm. I mean, there's a place for mm. some things being mm. seamless, mm. but there's a time. There's there's also a place for, you know, the transitions or moving mm. between mm. things, and they don't have to take a long amount of time, mm. um, but they they do visually help us. Um, now, another interesting 
part of this too um, was um, um, I, I can add that I, I presented this to my team. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, yesterday, mm. um, and um, I, I was, of course, as you know from the article, I was trying to work out mm. um, the best way of conveying this because you said when you're doing a, doing a, a flat drawing, mm. it's very difficult to convey animations. Mm. Um, you, you, I mean, I was drawing all kind of weird arrows mm. and, and different coloured pens to kind of try mm. and signal what was going on. And they can go. Um, I actually, in the end, did a little CSS mock-up um, of one thing um, because I could. Cause yeah, I found exactly. an example yeah. that was close, so I could mm. tweak it. And yeah. it, was, it wasn't doing it from scratch. Um, but then, what I realised, what I did yesterday, I, I told the story pretty much like the mm. article. Mm. I, I kind of, I tried to to get them into my journey. Mm. And that you know, I I was thinking about the challenge that we had and recapping recapping to mm. them a bit about the challenge, and and then I stumbled across this, mm. and I presented them with that little animation mm. from Sarah's article, um, to build up their level of empathy for mm. my for my work mm. because I'd I'd done a few hours of research into into to this solution, and and I only had maybe a quarter of an hour twenty minutes to kind of get the point across right, before exactly. they would either it would be a sink or float. Right. Split in the in the conversation. Yeah. Um, I'd even have to be defending it or kind of saying what else we could do or um, mm. going onwards mm. and saying, "Can we? Is it worth iterating this further?" Um, but because I took them on a little journey with the um, with the you story, built the story around it, it's perfect. Yeah, they were smiling. They were they were smiling yeah. and saying. And one of the programmers mm. um, actually said, "Oh, this is this is great, and we we should really do more of this." Right, and it makes it fun, which is interesting. This is what design is all about. You're making it fun mm. as well. Mm. With, and I have to say that one of the reasons I chose this article now is because as soon as I read it, it felt I felt that I wanted to step up my game a bit. Yeah, uh, and realize that this is what I should be doing. I should focus more on this because I feel that I, too often nowadays I like surrender too soon in the face of limited time and resource, and I, I assume that this is not going to be available. People aren't going to buy into it. Mm. But I realized I should argue more for this and I should even spend time outside billable hours for this because that's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, is there, and this is, this is again, the advantage of, of, of doing things together mm. with your, your team instead mm. of just delivering a, a flat design. Yeah. That you can actually explain and give some passion and give some, uh, some, some you can soften the edges, um, which you can't do so easily mm. with just saying, Here's an uh, input box, here's some heading, here's a right column. Right. Our third and final article for this link show um, is, um, is an article from the, the fashion and style section. We don't usually choose articles from fashion and style, do we? Well, we occasionally <laughs> psychology and stuff, but this is a, an article from the fashion and style section mm. of the New York Times. Mm. Um, and it's written by um, their style writer, Penelope Green. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, it, you know, strange how things appear in your um, feeds and, and different um, news apps. But, um, but this is um, this is really, uh, I think, really really good article. It's quite a long read. Um, but um, I'll give you some. I'll read a little bit from mm-hmm. it. Um, not fifteen minutes after we broke up four years ago, and probably while he was still parked outside my house, he changed his, his status to single. This meant that all of the couple's Facebook friends, including her teenage sons. Were, were instantly notified. There was no hiding or time to cry on my own, she remembers, wishing that there, w- there was a Facebook vacuum cleaner that could suck every trace of our relationship off the internet, photos in particular. In fact, some just popped up yesterday. Mm. Now, since last November, there has been such a tool, a vacuum cleaner tool, um, developed by Facebook's designated Compassion Team. 
I love that compassion team. Yeah. So this is a um, all companies should have a compassion yeah. team. Um, so, so the article then goes in, into various details about um, about the the vacuum tool for breakups um, mm. and and also the compassion team and the other things the compassion team is is doing and um, they're 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 devoted to making Facebook's interactions more human and more mm. humane um, and the breakup flow, which is what they're calling this um, this tool to help uh, when you're breaking up with someone mm. uh, is part of that and it's a smart thing it's mm. it's it's a real good use of of the fact that there's 1.5 billion people using Facebook and that they've been going for 10 years or mm -hmm. more and um, and it's currently only available in the US and only to mobile users. Oh, okay. It's very limited, mm. but um, it notices something's happened, mm. like your partner has changed mm. to single. So then you would get a question saying, well, should we show you, Facebook asks you, should we show you slightly less of him for a while now? Mm. So you don't have to choose that by yourself. It actually you don't need to go in there and start agentive technology. Yes. yes, you don't need to go in there and start kind of tearing posters mm. from the wall and mm. kind of burning photos. Mm. Um, you know, because you're gonna f it's gonna feel like a digital wreckage behind you all this stuff. Whereas after a while, uh, when you're some distance, mm. then you maybe do want to look at those pictures again. Mm. You know, because that is part of you. It's part of your life. I mean, I've, I've still got a box of letters from from university that I exchanged with my girlfriend mm. at the time. Now, now I'm married mm. to someone else. I mean, mm. I'm not married to... I never married that girlfriend. Mm. But I still treasure the time we had back mm. then when I was in my early 20s and right. late, late teens. And I hope... I've not looked at those letters since then, but I hope at some point in the future maybe I would take them out and look at them and mm. I don't, maybe even share them with the kids or something. Learn a bit about yourself. Yeah, and how it was yeah. then and how that mm. was. Cause, but mm. if, you, if you pull down mm. digital walls and wreck things after relationships end, mm. then you don't have that digital memory anymore. There's, you know, it's burning mm. books, effectively. It is. And, and, and so I think this is an excellent, mm. an excellent thing that the Compassion team is looking mm. into this. And they also are looking into um, um, things like um, suicide ideation. Mm. That they're, they're working on how they can detect mm. things that maybe could indicate that you need some help. Of course, um, yeah. yeah. We've already seen mm. the, um, the, the Are You Safe tool. Mm. Or I don't know what they exactly called it. Yeah, like when there's been uh, something, well... I don't know, a terrorist attack or whatever. They're using it somewhere in the now. world. Yeah. You know, originally, was it was um, natural disasters, exactly. so earthquakes. Uh, and then Facebook tsunamis. starts asking you, are you okay, so that people around you uh, or people who know you can see that you're okay even on Facebook. Yeah, so they can tell. Mm. So, yeah, so you get a question because mm. they know you're roughly in that area mm. or been in that area. They say, are you okay? Mm. And you just say yes mm. or no. And then a notice comes up on your mm. friends' pages saying so-and-so is okay. Mm. Um, so th there's mm. some wonderful... Facebook are getting into some mm. uh, combining data, mm. psychology, and, and, and user experience mm. um, to create solutions that, that are really considerate of your mm. feelings and your situation. Yeah. Um, and in this case, during during a, a breakup of a relationship. And it is so important because, like you're saying, 1.5 billion people. This is becoming such an integral part of people's lives that some people have just... They have their whole love life on Facebook. They've yeah. always had that yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've never experienced uh, a breakup on Facebook, no. but I know people who have. And it's, we it's, it's, exactly, we've experienced them as third parties. Exactly. We've seen things break up exactly. in, in other people's relationships. But oh. what I realized reading this, I, I realized that, okay, so first you have the breakup, mm. and then you have the breakup again, because you have to break mm. up on Facebook when you change your relationship yeah. status. We have mm. The, mm. the example, of course, of people dying, mm. and, and, and that if people don't, memorialize their mm. Facebook profiles, then they're still real mm. people, mm. and they come up as suggested friends, they come up as memories and the mm. rest of it. W the article gives an example of, of someone whose dog died. Yeah. And, and Facebook, and this person obviously mm. shared a lot of photos of their, of their mm. dog, 
and Facebook is, is, is coughing up um, two years ago memories, three years ago memories, you know, and pictures of dogs, and there's just like daily pictures of dogs coming up for this person, and it's and it's traumatic. Yeah. Um. So so Facebook needs to, you know, and they are working mm. a, a lot to understand the real context of now and and how to be sensitive. Um, yeah. And with the relationship, I think that you know, let, letting go digitally um, is going to be harder for some than it is for others. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's the one person might be very correct. Like in the beginning, it says one person was 15 minutes had already changed the status to single. Right, and some the other person might take two, three, yeah. four months. It might yeah. be half a year before they can come to terms with the fact it's over. And can you accept that they haven't changed their status? And it's yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. And also, it takes up uh, how you maybe don't want to block. People, no, you don't want. Oh, unfriend. Do you want to un- pick exactly unblock or unfriend mm. your ex? But you want to see less. Mm. Like if they uh, something good happens to them, you may want to congratulate them, but you don't want to know what they had for dinner. <laughs> uh, so how do you filter that? And Facebook is actually trying to help you do that. And mm. I love that they have this team in place mm. and taking that responsibility. Mm. Because yeah, they, they're getting a bad beat in Sweden right now for a lot of different uh, stuff. So. Well, yeah, they, they mm. yeah. I mean, on Facebook. Mm. I, mean, I, I complain about Facebook a lot, and I, I complain about the kind of addictive nature, nature mm. of it, and 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 also with mm. the, the, the self it's self feeding of all these kind yeah. of reshared posts mm. of two years ago. It's it's mm. it's kind of end, we're heading towards that single mm. entity of a post that continuously gets reshared. Mm. But um, but this actually gives me a little bit of hope. A bit like you say, this gives me some hope mm. that Facebook has com- compassion. Mm. Um, and that they have a compassion mm. team um, is a mm. very big label stuck onto that. But but they they're doing some okay things. I, I got a, a well. There was something I especially like towards the end, which is not something that is real, but it was something they played with uh, many years ago when they were talking about how how big data can help people avoid others. And that would be, uh, let's say you have broken up with someone, mm. you don't want to meet your ex on the way. You you want to go outside and go want to go to Starbucks. Yeah. You don't want to meet your ex on the way, and actually your app could help guide you. Oh, warn you that, that warn app, you yeah. where they are, so they can they can actually give you a route right. that would give get you to Starbucks yeah. without actually bumping into someone you know. Yeah, your ex or is you're, there. You're feeling you depressed. Sh- you don't want to meet yeah. anyone. You know, so yeah. all the people you know, they're on Facebook. Yeah. They have their GPS on their phones. You don't have to meet them. You mm-hmm. go that way, turn left there. It's kind of like an are you sure thing. You know, your, your ex is in that Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you ready for meeting them? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Did, did you, to be honest, though, yeah. I think this article, mm. um, in many ways, even though it's from the fashion style section mm. of the New York Times, it, it's not a UX article. Mm. But I reckon this, if I wanted to explain to someone mm. that kind of essence of what we do mm. and how we think mm. when we're we're trying to produce things, this article probably does a better job than a whole load of definitions that I've seen over the years or or attempts at defining UX I've seen over the years. This this is actually, as a story, this does a really good job. You can be right, yeah. I like that. Mm, I, might, I might share this a little bit broader. <laughs> so there you go. Our three articles for this link show. Um, Paul Boag was the author of one of them. I was the author of the second one. And then um, um, Penelope um, Green was the author of the third one. Mm-hmm. And all three articles you will find in the show notes. And I'll even link to their Twitter handles and so on. Excellent, um, yeah. So you can get in touch with them or respond if you want. And uh, we'd like to mention that coming up uh, is a listener phone-in. This is a kind of heads-up. Yeah. Um, so you can book it into your calendars. Uh, 
some of you will be aware that we changed the format for the way that you call in for the listener phone is you can actually follow and listen and chat with us d- live during the show. So you don't uh, actually have to ring in yeah. to, um, uh, to pose a question. Right. Now. I mean, it's yeah. nice if you do actually ring mm. and talk to us, but we actually take questions mm. um, via Blab, mm. which are the tool we've used last time. Mm. Um, and it, it, we, we were really pleased with how it um, no, as a first attempt, how it worked. Yeah, time. and it's so much fun doing the live shows, actually. Yeah. Um, so we've now booked the date for the for our next one, and June third. It, it's going to be June third, Friday. Yep. And we're going to do the same time as the last one, so it'll be two o'clock till four o'clock um, European time. Yeah. Um, which is CEST this time of year. That's right. Mm. So that's um, one hour different from London, and well, quite a few hours different from everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you can do is actually subscribe to the backstage email list and you'll get the dates there. You'll even get a calendar um, booking Yeah, because I send that out to the mm. mailing list as well. Um. So if you enjoy the show, then there's a couple of things you can do for us. Review us on iTunes or click on the thumbs up icon in Stitcher and share the show on Twitter. We are UX Podcast One Word if you want to mention us. And show notes, as James said, are available on UXPodcast.com. We are your hosts, Pat Axbo and James Roy Lawson. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.